0: Are you ready for the greatest show in fantasy football history hosted by the incomparable Scott Connor and the one and only Ray GQ? I present to you Destination Chill, where football and fantasy collide.
1: What is good, everyone? Good evening. Sunday night, Destination Chill. Hopefully everybody is tuned in. This is going to be the best financial advice that you hear all year. No, just kidding. Let's go, baby! Ki- Let's go, just baby! Just kidding on that. We, we are not the ones you probably want to hear that from, but from a budgeting perspective, we talked a little about this last week, and I said to Ray, you know what, Ray, we got to do a show talking about preseason budgeting. We got some questions we couldn't get to tonight. We're going to be more engaged with the chat. So, everybody, if you have any questions on this topic, this is the prime time to do it. But we're going to be talking preseason budgeting and strategies tonight. Ray, we're on our third show
0: Kind and of sir. getting our groove
1: and sir. how you
0: feeling tonight? Um, I'm feeling good, dude. I'm feeling good. Uh it's hot as shit in Texas right now, dude. It is uh blazing out here. But as we approach this part of the season, man, I'm just I'm excited. I'm ready for football. Like we're getting actionable stuff now from the preseason. I think we're getting starting to formulate who's going to be on the field for the most part. And um, I'm excited, man. This is a topic that we talk about dynasty process, having, you know, strategy. You got to have a plan, right? So it's going to be an interesting show tonight. You're leading this one tonight, Scott. So uh, I'm feeling good. You told me you were loose to start this bad boy off. So uh, you feel good. I'm feeling good. Let's give the people a good show, man.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the last couple of weeks, we're kind of finding our groove, getting our rapport together. Uh, but it's a topic I get a lot of messages about. Discord, group me, Twitter, people just asking, hey, what do you do in the preseason? Uh, Shane and I did a quick mannequin chill talking about this, but I wanted just to pick your brain about your bank account. We got questions last week about budgeting. So if anyone has anything in the chat, we'll get to some comments tonight periodically, more so than we did before. But just we'll start with budgeting on a team and i know you have to kind of close your eyes and envision what this looks like but you click on a dynasty roster right and it's almost like pulling up your bank account on your phone or on mm-hmm. your computer you see how much money's in there and you also know how much money it's going to take to do x or, y or Z. pay your pay your mortgage pay your car payment what's it going to cost to go on vacation you know pay for the kids to do this like you kind of have an idea of what your budget needs to be but from a dynasty perspective there's a lot of good tools out there like Dynasty Daddy, a bunch of places where you can kind of gauge how valuable your team is. And then you can look at things like the Warp Tool and kind of figure out, okay, is my budget in the right spot? Do I have it at the right positions? Does it fit the right format, lineup, best ball, whatever? But how do you start? Like you click on a team, because I, I my opinion, the worst thing you can do is go into the season without a plan.
0: Right. Stuck
1: right. in the middle. You don't have enough <clears> assets <throat> to get to the top. But you also don't have a plan to get to the bottom. And unless it's a weird type of format where you're rewarded for the middle, kind of like our USFFL leagues where, hell, I'd rather be in the middle because you play for your draft picks, right? right or it's a right. lottery system where there's really no incentive to finish at the bottom. Aside from those specifics, though, like how do you actually assess like where your budget is or yeah. how much you have in excess when you click on a team? How do you put it in a numbers perspective so then you can start figuring out where you want to act?
0: You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to make a good real life analogy here, but you you already hit on the answer is I don't care what league size, what format, what scoring settings does not matter. It's irrelevant. You have to get value, engage your individual roster. Like I'm looking at that team and what that team looks like, you know, compared to the rest of the teams in the league, how I personally perceive my whatever objective or subjective bias on that team, like you need to understand what you're dealing with first, right? Every, it's easy to say I'm in 50 leagues and I've got a hundred dollar budget and I'm going to allocate that hundred dollars. No one does that. No one says I'm going to allocate and spend that hundred, the same from this league to that league. It depends on my team. I'm And what I have to, to preach to fantasy gamers, dynasty gamers. If you're playing this game of fantasy football, be realistic with yourself. Not every team is a damn contender. Like, just stop it. If if you need a player or two or three away from being a contender, you're not. Like, I'm just going to let you know now. So be real with that team. Be real with yourself. And once I can sort of categorize... In each individual team, it's its own individual market, Scott. The buyers and sellers in each league are different from league to league. Even if you and I are in the same multiple leagues together, that individual market is different. So you really, it's... You really have to isolate, engage every situation, every roster as its own as its own bar- market, as its own bank, as its own clientele, the own customer base. It's different from league to league, man. And the only way you can make a plan is is having that you know reality and say like this is a contender, this is not a contender. I mean, what are your plans? How do you go about doing it? That's me, man. I'm very, very real with my rosters, bro.
1: Well, I think the first thing you have to figure out is where you stand. But then you also have to figure out, okay, if I think I stand either in the bottom half or the top half of the league, then I also have to look at my budget. They have to go in congruence, right? Like if you go and you say, I have a team, I think I'm probably a top six team. I have enough pieces. I have the right structure to make the playoffs. But then I go into that league and I go, Ray, man, I traded away my first already. And I'm seeing three or four teams that are ahead of me And I've already traded away my first, whereas a couple teams that are, I think, just as good or better, they still have an extra draft pick. They might have an extra pick in the hopper where I know they can Really, the way I look at that is they have more room for error. It's like a small market team in baseball signs a big contract. Baseball, it's fully guaranteed. You know, if you're like the Marlins or the Reds, you sign a big player to a contract and it goes wrong, you're cooked. They can't get out from under it. You're the Red Sox, the Mets, the Angels. They, you know what? They just go do it again next year. And they eat the loss on the back end, and they don't care. They can just pay it away with cash. For Dynasty, it's the same thing. If you have a couple extra firsts, that's essentially giving you the ability to be wrong two or three times and bail yourself out if you want to. So I, that that's my first thing is I have to figure out the worst place I want to be is a non-elite team that has no bailouts. Because mm-hmm. now I feel like, man, I need – If you tell me I have to squint and get lucky, that's not what I want to go into the season banking on. I need to have a plan to be wrong and still be able to get myself back to the spot that I was. So I have to look at and make sure I don't have teams that are in the middle that don't have ways out. Because if that's the case, I know I probably have to be making moves now, either betting on something, splitting an asset to try to get an extra piece, splitting a piece that I think is overvalued, sell a couple pieces for liquidity, knowing that I can maybe replace it later when points are actually being scored with the benefit being, hey, if X player doesn't do well, you know, halfway through the season and I trade them for a pick, Mm -hmm. if I don't want to buy with that pick, guess what? I have a pick that I can use in the future. So I think you have to do that assessment first. So that's my first question for you. Let's say you're in the middle, but you don't feel comfortable with where your budget's at. How do you start? Where do you go from there? Do you have to make a decision now? Do you start spending now? Do you say, I'm going to pay that first for two players just to try to get me in the top two or three before the season, understanding you have no bailouts?
0: Uh, As they say in law, it depends. It depends. And I can give you some very concrete examples of having the type of conviction where if you do make that bet to buy a player to push you over the top now, if that's so, the decision that you want to make. I think there are some strong bets that you have to make them now because if you wait until the result happens, whether that coin lands on heads or tails, it's too late. And you're either not going to be able to buy it or you just lose that side of the bet. Um, so it really, I'm not trying to cop out, but it depends. I think there are some potential buy opportunities now for teams that have strong rosters, that are kind of teetering along that line of being in the middle you definitely know you're not good. You're not bad enough to finish towards the bottom, but you need a little extra juice to help you get there. I think there are some calculated and strategic bets that you can make on players now that I would consider those plus EV. My question to you is though, and and I just want everybody to feel inclusive here. We're talking about rosters in which we already know where they kind of sit. Are they in the middle? Or are they top or the bottom? What about those rosters that you just drafted where everybody feels they got a damn contender coming out of the startup and this is year one? At what point do you have to make that decision to pivot to say, this is a failed contender, it's not a contender, this is a total rebuild, is it week four, is it week five? When do you When do you flip the switch to say, okay, I'm at that point in the season where I need to make a decision one way or another?
1: Yeah, if you're talking about a league that just started, so literally the startup was this yes. summer. Yes. There there are probably nine or ten teams that are thinking they have a a quote unquote path to get there. Now it might not be a path they're super comfortable with, but they have a path. So they're less likely to say, you know what, I'm gonna tear it down. The teardowns usually come as the attrition happens, as owners turn over year after year. That's when someone will come in and say, you know what, I'm gonna dart to the bottom of the ocean as quick as possible. So unless you planned it in the startup, which is why I think a lot of people like to do the productive struggle, trade back for future first, because now mm-hmm. their decision's already made. They can chill for a year, right? Instead of having to sit there and go, man, I'm going up against nine other grinders that are all shooting for the top six. And it gets to the topic I was going to bring up at the end, but I think it, it's perfectly fit right here, is there is value in being the first to the market. People that are in leagues might have start seeing people come back to their teams, They've checked out since after the rookie draft, you know, kind of just waited for things to get into preseason mode leading up to the season. Now you may see activity pick up. And I one thing I like to do is I like to check my chats at this point of the year and see if there's that one or two teams that go, I'm blowing it up. Blowing yep. it up before I know anything. Yep. Because there's there's two edges. One, I can see where they are clearly motivated to go in a direction before the season starts. So if, if they say I'm blowing it up, they don't want to wait until week four with that mm. Nick Chubb because it could go wrong and then they're holding the bag. So if they're already planning on going that way, I like to take advantage of the preseason sales. And depending on what it is, if I already got my quarterbacks in place, it's hard for me to punt a season, right? If I already have a quarterback room, if I have a, a Burrow and Lamar and I have a third QB, like it's hard for me to go, you know what? I'm just going to wait a year. Right. Now, if my structure sucks, if Kyler Murray's my QB1, that may lead me to go the other direction. But if my structure is in place, especially around quarterbacks, that's where I'm looking for the deals of, hey, someone's selling a receiver, a receiver, and a, here's a deal I made recently. I bought a Calvin Ridley and a Khalil Herbert in a start 12 for a first, one single first. Mm-hmm. Now, do I, do I really, do you really think it's a smart play to Ray to spend a future first on a wide receiver two? Uh- Pro- probably what, not with a-
0: the what, what name did you say again what, what, what was the name because it's it's time we're talking give me a wide receiver two name give me a wide some here's the thing scott because we titled this forget- damn thing We forget the name right i get what you're saying yes we titled this thing preseason strategies everybody is excited right now right like it's Everybody wants to be—you're talking about first to market. Everybody wants to get ahead of the curve, whether that be on A.T. Perry. Kent, I guarantee right now, do you know what Kendra Miller's done since we've been on the stream? Do you know? Have I haven't checked my Twitter timeline, but Kendra Miller has, since we started this show, caught like a 50-yard pass from Jameis Winston and had this monstrous rushing touchdown. Everybody's about to say, we are so wrong. This is by Kendra time. I—, I, I I get what we're talking about, but right now, the 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 emotion of people, and they don't want to say it. They don't want to say it in the chat, Scott, but I'm going to say it for them. They're thinking, the hell with what they're talking about, I've got to go get that guy now. If I don't buy Kendra today on August the 20th, 2023, I'm going to miss my window. It's never coming back. Like The season's only a couple of weeks away, man. People are just ready to go, Scott, so... The whole title, preseason strategies, discipline. When you say first to the market, are you talking about be the first one to the first one to go buy these players? Or are they, is there anyone that you're okay with buying right now? I'm just asking you. Not nobody else in the chat. I'm looking at your ass. Is there anybody that you are willing to say I will go buy a veteran player or a rookie right now in August? The chat no. wants to know. They're saying now. They no. want to know now. FOMO people. So you're saying, no, there's nobody you're willing to buy right now. Nobody. And I, and when I say nobody, I don't mean Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that. I'm just talking about a ran, a a regular player. You get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. For me, obviously I don't play that way. I'm playing more on archetypes. So that there are archetypes of players, but no, am I watching the preseason highlights? Am I watching Twitter? Am I trying to go out there and take advantage of that now and it's funny you mentioned that because if you notice there's about eight teams in the league they don't in that play don't play anybody anybody at all no starters at all but yet we get excited when Jordan Love hits Romeo Dobbs or Reed. Oh also oh, you know?
0: okay. <laughs> it's exciting, just, it's, it's, exciting. it's it's biased though it's exciting though mm. bias how how is it biased if he throws a fucking good pass to Romeo Dobbs, that's a good – how's that bias? That's a good pass.
1: It, the the point is you're highlighting the players that are actually playing in meaningless <laughs> games. And there's, there's other players that purposely are not playing. So I, I get it. It's football. It's football. But it's like a starter goes out there, a starting receiver goes out there and looks good on their two for 20. Oh, man, I got to buy in. And then there's all these other starters that they just don't play. So they're just not in the limelight for that minute window, you know. And it's it it happens every preseason, but I think we overvalue some of the the little nuances and buzzes on players because like, of the fact that there's a lot of players that just aren't they're not playing. The team is saying we're not going to put them out there,
0: but we know those guys, right? Like, and let's let's dive into the psychology of all of this because it's centered around everything that we're talking about tonight from a budget standpoint. Everything that we want the people in the in the chat to to comment with us is from. Making sure that we have some best practices right now during this exciting time. But but my question to you is, no, sh- we know Cooper Cup is good. Like, I don't need to see him play. I know Derrick Henry is good. I know Tony Pollard's going to be fine when he goes out there. I don't think that's the point of preseason to amplify and highlight those that we know are already good. Yes, people are excited when they see Ramondre Stevenson run for 11 yards. And yes, you are too correct by saying we know that, like he's good. But the point of preseason is to try to identify some players who could potentially have a role when the season starts. If you just close your eyes, don't listen, it's meaningless, I don't give a damn, then you're how how is that not gaining some sort of edge? We're not saying react on everything, but Having the knowledge to know, like, man, he might be somebody you want to invest in. If things start off early, like, I'm going to buy the next Daniel Jones for a second. So I think it's the type of context that's around what's happening in preseason. And if you, Scott, you listen to everything. I'm not telling anybody to go buy any of these guys. I'm just saying, keep your eye out on said player. If something happens and that dude's hanging out on waivers, you might want to go pick him up. That's how I'm utilizing the preseason information, not to 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 go jerk off to Cooper Cup catching a long pass. I know he's good. Like, I know that's going to happen, right? But what I don't know is Rico Doudle beating out everybody else in Dallas. I did not know that. And if not for preseason, nobody—you could take guesses. I'm just going to roster anybody. But to actually see it translate on the field— I think there is value in that.
1: There is. I mean, obviously the format matters, but I'll just say this. A lot of times in preseason, just given the types of players that are playing and they're being highlighted, and sometimes, especially receivers and running backs, they get in there with the starters, and that's a position that in short windows, you know, I don't want to even say backups, but fringe players that we would say, yeah, that guy doesn't really matter. That's a roster clogger. They can look good in short moments when they're playing with the starters playing with the starting offensive line. Who knows who they're always playing against? You never hear that on the highlights. You know, Romeo Dobbs smashes. Who's he actually being covered by? No one talks about who it is, what they're playing, what type of scheme they're playing. So I think generally That's for fair. me, the preseason is a way to take advantage of these windows. To Let's just start here. I was going to ask you, when do you spend? How about when do you sell? Generally, I'm doing 90% of my selling in the preseason, and it's players that look like that. It's the Romeo Dobbs, the Tank Dells, those types. Because you know what? If you can convince somebody to pay up just an extra 10 to 20%, because I can tell you, right, how many receivers, let's just say lineup league, best ball is a little different, but let's say in a start 11, how many receivers are probably in the same tier of a guy like Romeo Dobbs or Tank Dell? <laughs>
0: Dude. A
1: couple dozen, right? I was at was least at 30,
0: 10. 40. Yes, yes.
1: Oh, okay. so, and do you really care wh- Which one you have, if someone's willing to give you another one in a second or another one in two-thirds, you know what I mean? And I, I think that's where you take advantage of the players that are playing versus the players that aren't, when really you know they're basically the same. That goes for wide receiver threes, fours, goes for backup running backs. That's, I think, where you take advantage of the fact that it's simply because this player is on your timeline. Because there's only two games going. It's no different than during the regular season. People may know a little bit more about a team that's in prime time. It's the same thing here. So generally, I'm probably looking to sell. I'm looking, all right, let me go down my teams, especially when I'm selling from this range where it's like, man, if I can sell this receiver for a second, what did I really lose? Right? Probably not a place where I'm putting them in my lineup, but I've just gained something that I can spend later on in the year that I know is going to be more valuable. So so to that, I'm probably 90% seller. If I'm buying, you asked me earlier, who am I buying? I'm buying players that I know if I can get the deal that I talked about at the very beginning of this before you got on a Kendra Miller train (laughs) is if I can buy a core starter, that is where I'm willing to make the bet where I trade away my first, my first and a third, whatever it might be, a first and some junk that someone else says, oh, maybe I can flip that later in the year get me something that helps. Give me something that's locked in my lineup. And I acknowledge when I'm doing that, I probably A, had to do it because of where my team stood. I'm the fifth best team, and I'm getting a good deal now from someone that's willing to sell me two pieces, hence the Calvin Ridley and Khalil Herbert for a single first. Mm -hmm. Just an example. If you don't like Mm -hmm. those players, then whatever. Uh, But the most important thing is I strategically thought that was a team that needed to make that move. But just doing that to do it because it comes available, few and far between. I'm much more likely to go, you know what? I can renew my Kendra for a second now. Done. I can sell that Dobbs. I can sell that Rasheed Rice. Like I can move these guys when four days from now, there won't be a market at all unless it's back down to it's just some random person that'll give you a third. So just using this as a window to liquidate or to liquidate.
0: I um I agree with you hundred uh, percent. I am not going to advocate for anybody to be out there buying. You saw it in our Discord, right? Uh, should I go? What would you pay for Tank Dell? I don't know because I'm not going to go buy him right now. Like I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to buy any. There's hardly I can't think of a rookie outside of maybe one of the. I'm not buying any of them, but I'm damn sure not buying a second, third, fourth round rookie. Like that's just not happening. I think the valuable information, and it's so funny because people are so worried about who the player is burning. Like, if you think about this for a minute, if your objective is to sell these guys, why does it fucking matter who they're playing against? It doesn't matter. I don't care what corner Tank Dell is burning, I don't care what corner Romeo Dobbs is burning. What you use the preseason information for as a as a smart and strategic dynasty gamer is to understand the players that everybody else is going to be head over heels for, right? I know you've seen one of those rosters. I got Puka Nakua, Tank, Dale, Justin Ross, all of them. And they're blowing up right now. And I couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier because there are players that people want to root for. They intrinsically like these guys. They've got the bias coming out from the pre-draft process, whether that be good or bad. Right. You could have a player that people hated ball out for multiple years and they still don't like them because of the pre-draft bias and then players that, you know, the, the reverse happening. So you use that information to take your Jalen Tolberts, to take the Tank Dells and to move them for something that is for sure, whether that be a Joe Mixon, a Cooper Cup a whomever. Now, you can also have some guys that you're just like, I've got conviction, And when everybody in the world told me to sell Amon Ross St. Brown, I didn't do it. Now, I also think that you've got to dive deeper into it and why watching the game is important. If you were an Amon Ross St. Brown manager his rookie year, you knew there was a good chance for him to be good, not just because of his skill set, because of why. There was nobody else there. So I'm just going to – it's Terry McLaurin. Nobody else to throw to. Probably pretty good. He sees that opportunity. So you feel a little more comfortable betting on that into 2022 does it again. And the rest is history. So I do think while I don't care who they're playing against, because you're right. None of the starters are Saquon's not going to play. Like I know that what I want to see are the guys that are getting some opportunity behind the guys like a Jalen Hyatt, like a this player. So I can see, do I have something that I can go move that for something more concrete?
1: Yeah, and I think the the other thing you can do is if you want to take advantage of this, because sometimes what I'll do is I'll go and see, okay, I have X amount of shares of this player and they've just smashed in the preseason, right? So like Rico is a great example. All of a sudden he goes from was on waivers two months ago to he's going to be Dallas's RB2. So he's gone from two months ago, you would have said not even worth a roster spot. Now you're going like probably everybody should have him on a team, but it's too late for those of us that have been picking him up for the last two months. But I can also argue that, you know, Dallas liked Rico Dowdle. They've kept him around. He's had three season ending injuries and he still stayed here, but I could also argue, right? There is almost nothing he can do to get higher than where he is right now. Nothing. So if you can literally swap him for pick, pick another running back body. Like, I don't know. Could you get, is he a of Kanda and a third for Rico Dowdle? Probably not, but some deal like that where you're going, All right, I don't even care about the other running back I'm getting. You know, but you you saw how quickly it flips from Rico Dowdle on waivers to he's Dallas' RB2. Yes. And now you're going, He is at his very, very, very peak. And there's 20 things that can happen in the next 10 days where you go, All right, I'm going to cut Rico Dowdle in my dynasty league. You know what I mean? Like so there's what you- so many. But I I think this is the perfect opportunity if you can't quite get what you're asking for. Because here's the thing. You go out and you try to say, I'm going to sell this guy. Well, you're not going to sell at last week's price. What have you always said? This week's price isn't last week's price. Today's price isn't yesterday's price. Whatever. You can see multiple analogies. But can I leverage that and give myself an extra out? Understanding where this player sits on my roster. The, The Dobbs example is one that keeps coming to my head. That's a guy that, you know what? You probably couldn't have got a second for at any point, but he's had a good camp. He had a good preseason game. Saw a bunch of highlight plays from him in the right league, in a best ball league, in a league where you start 11, 12, where someone goes, yeah, that guy might be my last starter or my last flex. Can, can you get a third and another receiver that essentially occupies the same thing? And all you're doing is building up your bank. That's what this whole episode was, right. building up your budget, especially if you're one of those mid-tier teams. I tell you, Ray, this is what you have. You have nothing really tangible to sell. How do you create value with a middling roster? This is the way. It's fine strategic ways to sell players literally based on the last 48 hours, but don't get greedy. You can't get greedy on Romeo Dobbs or Tank Dell or yeah. Rishi Wright. You're, I mean, gone are the days where, what, what do we say in the Discord? We touched on this the last week a little bit too, but The person posts Rasheed Rice on the trade block after last night's eight catch game, right? Come on, man. Are you the one going and making an offer
0: for him? Come on, man. You're just, you see, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: maybe it isn't the sucker play to make an offer that kind of fits the construction that you might want to target towards. Like, don't don't go and say, I'm going to make the offer that is. Way out of bounds. But instead of putting that in the chat, maybe you go make a couple offers to people where you get back a similar receiver and a third, or you get back a two for one. You're not trying to clearly sell way above market. Right. Because only the fools bite on that. You see someone post on Twitter, oh man, I just sold this guy, just sold Rasheed Rice for a 25 first. You know, like, okay, that sets the precedent that now everyone's gonna go try to do that. You send that to me in a league, I'm gonna laugh. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's like go and go and market it at a price that helps build up your budget, but from a construction standpoint, it doesn't throw you off of what you were planning before with Rasheed Rice in the beginning. And you're just you're just betting against the players, and that's where being agnostic comes into well, it.
0: Well, let me let me let's 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 put some tangible names and we're gonna engage the chat after this short exercise, Scott. But I want to give you some names of some potential bankroll builders, okay? So I'm just going to throw out some of these rookies and I just want you to give me a, yep, you're, this is a bankroll builder. Or if you're pausing, like there could be some upside here, you know, and, and B, I know you're player agnostic, but we need, we, this is for the people. So if you really think that there is some sort of, this is one that I'd be willing to take a shot on, maybe this is one where I'd be a little tighter, a little stingier on selling. So we're gonna start the threshold low and we're gonna go through this rather quickly, right? So some bankroll builders. Let's um let's stick with regular PPR stuff. We're not gonna get into too tight end premium, too crazy like that. So let's start with Tank Dell. Tankdale, bankroll builder, or you wanna hold him?
1: Easy bankroll builder.
0: Okay, Michael Wilson.
1: I'd say bankroll builder, but I I don't think he'll build your bankroll enough that I'm willing to kind of bet on him uh having more more windows during the season. Cool. So, I'll, so I'll say not bankroll cut, builder. And
0: and by bankroll builder we mean capitalized now. So thank you for that clarification. Um let's go let's just I'm throwing them out there. Let's go Luke Musgrave. Bankroll builder, are you holding that?
1: Hmm, I say bankroll builder given how I would treat Titans in really 99% of formats, yeah, bankroll it builder. Is.
0: Jalen Hyatt. Oh man, come on, bankroll builder. Let's, and if you need to hold, let's hold. We can go. I just this is good. This is good. Where are you
1: at? Yeah, it's good. It's good because you can put me on the spot talking about players, and I'm 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 going to loosen up, and I'm just going to give you off the cuff answers. Jalen Hyatt, not a bankroll builder. I think we're going to continue to get chances to build the kay.
0: bankroll even higher. Tajay Spears. I know that. Okay, Run, I, I running back, think so running too. back, yeah. Tank Bigsby,
1: not a bankroll builder.
0: Okay.
1: If I had to say a rookie running back that we look up next year and we go, "That's a top fifteen dude," that's him. That's where <sighs> okay. I plant my flag.
0: And yep. we stop right there, and we're not going any further. Marvin Mims, Jaden Reed, Jonathan Mingo. Oh. I'll
1: just I'll say this: it, one of those three, we're going to look up, and we're going to go top thirty guy in, okay. in twelve months. If I had to give you my conviction, I will probably lean Marvin Mims of those three. All so right. the other two would be bankroll builders if I had to bet,
0: Mims. In the, in the last question, we're going down a little bit lower now because I think everybody else above that, we're going to say, I will wait a little bit. I'm just going to throw out some names and you just tell me, is there somebody that you're willing to bet on from this group or are they all bankroll builders? Cedric Tillman, Puka Nakua, Kayshaun Boutte, A.T. Perry, Trey Palmer, Sean Tucker. Anybody that you're willing to bet on from that group if Cedric Tillman, Puka Nakua, Sean Butte, A. T. Perry, Trey Palmer, Sean Tucker.
1: If I had to pick the receiver, it would be Cedric Tillman. I think of the group, though. If you told me, okay, can I collect a bunch of shares of this player that I could have at some point during the season? The mm-hmm. bankroll builder, Sean Tucker.
0: Okay. All right. All right. I just wanted to. I wanted to put some names too because. There are some of these guys, the Dontavian Wicks, the Andre Ilisovas, the Trey Palmers who are being pumped up right now. And you do get people asking, what would you trade right now for Trey Palmer? What would you give up, Ray, to get Keyshawn Boutte? What would you give up to get Puka Nakua? So when you're talking about managing your bankroll and spending your capital, like our uh, just why are those not the guys that you think or, or people should be buying? Because it's easy for us to say, look at Warp, look at this, look at that. They don't matter. But the, the reality is people are watching Tampa Bay situation and in their minds, they're saying, man, Russell Gage went down, touchdowns, back-to-back weeks, big play threat. Who else is there? Like, what is the what is the philosophy around not taking shots on some of these guys who may have some window for opportunity. Could you just buy him back later? Could you pick him off of waivers? Just for the people who want to go, who are dying to go buy Pukunuku, and they may not tell us in the chat, but they're out there, Scott. But what's the importance of not spending right now on those type of players?
1: Well, let's just rewind a little bit. And because we get questions like this all the time, we see it in the Discord, we get DMs. Oh, man, Michael Wilson's looking good. I think yep. about picking him up. Even you'll talk about, like on your rookie report or on Wake Up, you'll go, yeah, Michael Wilson's looking good. But a lot of times you don't have time, nor is that the place to give the context of, okay, you may say a positive thing about a rookie here, but that doesn't mean go fire your one second round pick on Michael <laughs> Wilson in a start nine. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and yeah. but But people don't have a process a lot of times. And so when you get those questions, first of all, you and I will respond with, All these other questions asking, is it even a conversation to have? But the second thing, and it goes back to something that we're going to hopefully dive in more uh, once the website gets popped up and stuff, but this year of looking at the psychology of players when they come into the league. And if you're coming to me and you're asking me, what should I pay for Keyshawn Boutte? Because he looked pretty good. Last Mm -hmm. night I was reading Twitter and it was, I saw a tweet today and it was, Keyshawn Boutte looks like a guy that's much better than his draft capital, but maybe he doesn't have that dog in him. Maybe he doesn't love football that much. And so it's just, you're spinning a narrative as to why he went in the fifth round, right? Or why he got drafted later than we thought. But -hmm. then it's also making highlights and there has been some positive buzz. So you're trying to justify why I should consider buying him. So I'm using him as a perfect example because he has nothing going for him, Ray. Nothing. Except for what? What does he have? What will he always have that Puka Nakua will never have?
0: Went to LSU, baby. Went to LSU. We People love them. He's the, the name, right? Yeah, the Devy name, man. It, LSU. Kayshawn Boutte, freshman year. He's the next Jefferson Chase. He's next up. Yeah.
1: So let's say both him and insert Trey Palmer, Puka Nakua, whoever it is, goes out and has the exact same rookie year. Not great not clearly better than everybody expected, but good. Who's going to be the one that people are going to squint and tell themselves, oh, man, the NFL messed up on that, right? Like That's not going to happen. And I can just tell you, you can categorize them. You don't even need me or Ray. Make a list of players and go match up who people preferred in February and March. Those are probably the ones where, all right, there may be a limited window to buy a Keishon Boutte. I'm not saying bet on him. But I'm saying the window will shut if he's better than expected. Now, that doesn't mean he won't be somebody that the community will then say, like, let's say he goes out, puts up 900 yards as a rookie. He's their wide receiver one. There will be people next year going, okay, buy, buy, buy. He can be a stud. Now, the pragmatic people will be going, damn, if that guy starts selling for a first, I might start selling. You know what I mean? Like, there will be people saying to cash out. But the point is, he will be the player that the community would be willing to kind of forgive everything very quickly. Same with Sean Tucker. If he's the number two for Tampa Bay and gets in there, has a 30%, 40% role, has a couple spot starts, that's a guy where you're going, I see why he was a UDFA. Had nothing to do with his talent. I was right about him all along. So, like, if if people come to me about those names, but it's Trey Palmer, like, there there is no out for Trey Palmer. The out is right now. (laughs) Someone wants him. Holy shit! Someone <laughs> wants him in your league. He so if, if that's right the response, now.
0: like no, it's for real, the out is now. There's if, your out.
1: <laughs> if if you're asking, if you're asking about a name, and you have to go, oh my god, I, I'm shocked. Someone wants this. At Perry, I got him in the fifth round, or I got him off waivers. Someone's offering me a third. Ray, should I take it? <laughs> And right there, it has nothing to do with the player, how good he could be. 5% chance he becomes really good, and you wish you didn't trade him away. Right. But the idea, you already know you do not have the psychology on the side of a lot of these guys. So the ones that you do, that's why I said Sean Tucker is the one that would be the, 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 the bankroll builder during the year just because, hey, next man up, I could easily see people going, oh, man, I'll trade him for a second. Rashad White gets hurt. That's the guy. It's like that. You're looking for an out, and it still goes back to the psychology and how did people view them before? Period. So to answer your original question, that's my analysis when you ask me about any of these players that are flashing the preseason. You got to go through that before I even consider an answer.
0: So you put it in our show notes before we started, Scott. And I kind of want us to wrap here. And and as we're as we're finishing this topic right here, y'all, hit us up with some questions. We want to engage with you. Talk about, let us know or ask us questions about what you want to do with some of your rosters in in preseason and try to keep it general. Don't give us your actual, I don't need, you got 30 roster spots, but just general principles and philosophies of players that you're either trying to acquire, you have some conviction on, you think that we're dead ass wrong. Um, Scott, but you said how to use preseason results to your advantage. So talk about that. And I will set the scene by saying right now in the preseason, you know, there's a lot of hype and enthusiasm in Dallas around Deuce Vaughn. There is a lot of hype and enthusiasm right now. Let's let's go from outlier rookie to veterans that we've seen it. How do you use the preseason to your advantage for a Darren Waller, Daniel Jones type situation where you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, th- this in year two in this system, they might be pretty damn good. And I know you don't want to spend any of your equity in the Nakua's, the Jaden Reed's, but... What if there is a market out there in your individual league for a Daniel Jones and a Superflex for a Darren Waller? So how do you use these results, either whether you're in the market to buy or in the market to sell to your advantage?
1: So let's put a caveat this. Everyone knows you and I play in a lot of leagues. Yes. So it's much easier for us to go, you know what? Let me browse through my teams. Man, I don't have a Daniel Jones, Darren Waller stack anywhere. I'd like to get one. So let me go look for a spot to maybe take advantage of going and buying one because of what you've seen thus far, what you've read about their camp, what you've read about their connection. We've come far enough into the the preseason to where you're pretty confident on certain situations or certain players. You go, I'm willing to take a shot there. I still think it structurally has to be the right shot that you want to take in the right league. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. But I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go, okay, at this point, it makes sense. And I actually think you can use some reverse psychology on a lot of people that we play with in our leagues because of this conversation we've had during this show. There are a lot of people that are going, okay, maybe I can sell that Darren Waller or Daniel Jones. And they're looking at it as a window. So you're kind of using the preseason buzz slash hype against the sellers because the advantage here if you wanted to go buy a Waller-Daniel Jones stack, that's probably going to cost you two firsts at least. If not two firsts, and maybe you have to give a, a lesser quarterback back or something like that. Yeah. But the idea is the motivated seller actually may trade you that combo. Now, you're, you're probably giving away the leverage. You're giving away the flexibility of your picks. But I'm definitely looking at spots like that where I can go stack, where I can go take that middle-of-the-pack team and make a big bet on myself Hey, I just bought Darren Waller and Daniel Jones. That fixes two holes that I had. I think I'm now a top two team. I've lost the leverage. I've lost my flexibility, but I'm willing to buy on the bigger end now based on stuff like that, because, hey, I'm playing a portfolio. I'm just I'm just willing to go make the bet. You know, it's maybe yeah. anti-processed at that point. But I think the big thing, and it's not just a stack like that, but it's also any, any player that you think, you want to make a big bet on. You're convicted that their value is going to go up, they're going to smash or whatever. Yep. The advantage is sometimes that someone else is willing to put them on the block Bingo. for, for a, I don't even want to say a reasonable price. They're just willing put to put them move up.
0: It. Yes. If, if you wait
1: till week one yes. or week two and they have a big game, it isn't that you can't get them. It is now, or it, it isn't that you can't pay for them enough. It is the person just goes, oh man, I don't think I can move them. So you've missed out. Now, at that point, they're probably wanting way too much to the price where they're just not going to move them. They've raised their price to a point where nobody's going to buy. But sometimes the, the advantage is just buying the asset someone else is willing to sell. Because a lot of times in deals, it only comes along for a week at a time. Maybe not even that much time. Like It, it goes away. So being able to get a deal that you want done versus, hey, I'm not going to be able to get another deal like this till week six. At that point, so much is going to change. You're not even sure what you're going to bank on. So sometimes just making the move and getting it done at the fair market price is a big advantage. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to buy on the big deal end right now. Make big moves. And I'm selling the small pieces like we talked about.
0: Well, this is probably, uh, I think this is one of the best comments we've had in our early show, Scott. And this is all for you, my friend. And appreciate the comment right here by uh, Goody, Goody, Gutty, Goody. What's going on? Appreciate you for tapping in from wherever you're at. But he says, uh, or she, you keep saying sell blank for a third. But when has a third itself been super valuable? What's the point of that? And I think this is a very good comment because a lot of people hear you, they hear about, uh, hear me talk about this on Wake Up. I'm selling for a third cash out. The whole theme of the show is about the bank and building your bankroll and not just from a, a lot of people probably heard that and they think we're talking about damn fab. We're talking about rookie picks, rookie draft capital, right? Maybe some fab in leagues where that's important, Scott. But I really want you to speak to this because a lot of people out here, you're saying sell Puka Nakua for a third. Get rid of Justin Ross. Can you get back a similar player in a third? What's the point of a third, man? If, if all these other rookies that you're saying you don't want to buy, they were drafting the second round. They were second round rookie picks. And now you're saying go buy, sell them, and buy for a third. Can you, can you talk to this? I think a lot of people need to hear what's the methodology around selling for another player that may be a little worse than Justin Ross, and just a third-round pick?
1: I mean, Goody, it's a good question because I think you have to do an assessment. you got to know your league. you got to do the assessment of the format that you're in. So if you're telling me, you know what, a third probably doesn't matter much in this league, then most likely the player you're trading for a third doesn't really matter. So in that case, sure, you can say, I'm not going to sell Puka Nakua. Just understand that if it's a league that you're telling me, Ray, this is a start 10 lineup league, and there's no activity. In that league, would you really
0: care if you got a third for Puka Nakua? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for what, right?
1: And I think that's very important. You have to do an assessment of where is the line of what what picks matter in your league, where they don't. Is it a start nine versus start 11? Yes. Is it a deep best ball versus a shallow best ball? But more importantly, the theory behind it, Goody, is this. If a couple of those things are true, and more importantly, you're in a league where you know they're active. So if if your league is already freaking out about Puka Nakua, that's probably a good sign because it means that there's players in this range that are already being talked about and are already getting moved and are probably relevant. So in that case, why would you rather have the third? Why would you rather have a deal where you get a third and a player for one player? Right? You, You can see the theory behind it. The reason I can make the move now Is because my league's active and a third might matter. Now, the third itself, you can't look and go, man, Ray, Ray, what player am I going to get at 309 next year? Can you tell me? No idea. Right. Neither of us would even bother to answer because our goal, if it's a league where I bought a couple thirds or bought an extra second, it was to use it as a throw-in to get something else done later that I think is going to matter more. And a lot of times, if you're selling these fringe players and it's a shallow league, you're already betting they're never gonna matter in your league anyway because it's too shallow. So it's like, okay, I'm taking something that means nothing. At least with a third, I have a prayer later on to throw that in a deal and someone gives me what I want. Yeah, just a small edge on having the flexibility versus it's, that's it.
0: It's it's and it's not it's not an apples to apples comparison, Scott, but it's similar to the same thing I do at a garage sale, right? I'm literally trying to clear shit out of my garage, like. I just need the space. It doesn't even matter what I bought this lawnmower for. It's taken up a big chunk of space in here. I know I'm probably getting it away, giving it away at less than market value, or there's a chance this lawnmower continues to run for 10 years like a champ and this guy got a deal. But for me, I'm just trying to clear out things that don't. I don't really need. I don't need that thing in my garage. I don't need the space in the same way with A Puka Nakua. I don't need that player because there are similar players in that range. But the reality is this, Scott. The reality of this entire situation is this. You know why that Puka Nakua matters to that individual who's questioning should they get rid of him for a third or A.T. Perry or Justin Ross? You know why? Because they believe that that player is good. That is it. I'm not even going to go to what good means. They think that player is good, and I'll leave it very simple as that. I I see it. I'm going to bank on it. It's the player conviction. It's not playing with this agnostic approach because that's the primary reason why that person is asking, you know, should I buy Puka? Should I buy Justin Ross? They're not asking you. No one's asking, should they buy K.J. Osborne? Nobody. Nobody's asking you, should they go buy Tyler Boyd? Nobody's asking if they should go buy Michael Gallup. They want to know if they buy these guys. They like him. They think they're good. They think there's some opportunity for Justin Ross. There's some opportunity there with Puka Nakua and Tank Dell. F- listen, I'm not going to say names. There were people who legitimately thought the Texans were holding him out because he was so good, he didn't need to play with Nico Collins and Robert Woods that he's just, they're just resting him up for the season because he's that good off of, off of a couple of weeks of camp. So... That is why people are asking these questions, and that's why people are, are willing to tap into those reserves to go buy Ross, to go buy Nakua, to go buy those players now.
1: I think it's also important to do this assessment in your head too. Like if you're saying, okay, should I sell Keyshawn Boutte for a third? I think it's totally fair to project ahead and go, all right, if this is a league where I'm, I know I have to do, the third is just getting your foot in the door. To turn the third into something more valuable in a start 10 lineup league, I'm probably going to add the third to something else to get a second and then try to add a second to something else and do a first. Like it's going to take me a couple more moves to actually step that up to something that's meaningful. So if you already tell me, because people will say, hey, Scott, my league's not very active. So good luck that you're going to stair-step a trade of Boutte and four moves later turn it into a first. The league's not that active. It's not that type of league. But unless I know that context, I'm going to assume, hey, if someone's talking about a third for Boutte, it's a league that's pretty active. People are trading on these small stocks constantly, right? So unless it's not that kind of league, you probably want to assess how you want to play it. I do think it's important to go, okay, if I'm in a league that's inactive, shallow, if I'm, I am i don't want to bet on a 1% outcome. Right. But I do think you can forecast ahead and go because you use the word this player's good but you didn't go into what does good mean relative I, to your format? Because I, it, it would, it's in the weeds. It's too much for this show. But if you can forecast and you can go, all right, the 1% outcome for Justin Ross is, holy shit, he's worth a first plus. He's a top 24 receiver. Like if you genuinely, and don't wish cast that in your head, but if you actually think, and it's not just how good once you get to a certain range, it's not how good Justin Ross is. It's also how good is he? How much do people like his situation? How much do people like him? All three of those have to be true for you to go. I'm willing to bet on me winning the mega millions. And if you want to make that, then just say, I'm holding that bootay for a third. I'm holding Justin Ross for a third. And as long as you have a plan, as long as you have a plan now, if you're holding five of those guys, and the plan is all five of them get there, I'm itching, you know Scott. I'm
0: itching thing. because of all the players we talked about tonight. Of all the players we talked about tonight, if if I'm being objective here, like that is that is the one that has all of that going for him. I mean, people love him. He Justin didn't Ross, fall, right? He he didn't fall because of any physical traits. It was health. The wide receiver room is very ambiguous. Right. I don't give a damn which is it's very up in the air. He's tethered to Patrick Mahomes on a great offense. So if you're if there is a one percent outcome, like and you're saying all those things need to be in place. I mean he's he's the one. Like this is Neo. Like this is the one of if, if there's and it has nothing to do with what we think they're going to do for us from a scoring perspective, but the community. Dude, he's out there week 1 with 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 Mahomes on the field versus the Lions on on a couple of Thursdays from now. I mean, it, it's it's I think it's at least a second. I don't want to go I don't want to go crazy and say a first. I'll say no one's trading him for less than a second. If I don't care what he if he's on the 53 and he's starting with Mahomes on the field on September the 7th, he's a second. He's worth a second. Now, I do have, there's another question from the, from the chat that you, that you need to answer, Scott. Um, Couldn't we use the same idea of Nakua for a third and just pair up that tier of player I have, uh, I have with my third for someone else's second. So they're trying to take Puka and a third to go get a second or maybe a similar, a player that's in that range. Is that something that you're open to doing at this point in time, or is that giving up too much of the leverage too early?
1: It's not giving up too much of the leverage too early because, I mean, the reality is most people in this chat are playing in shallower leagues, right? Start nine, start 10s, maybe start 11s. But generally, if you can get a third and a player that's not worth a second and get a second, that's actually skipping a step to what I was talking about before, right? Instead of trading a guy for a third and then I go try to add the third to a player, you're getting right to getting the second here. So absolutely, it goes for you know a second and a player to get a first, a third and a player to get a second. Because the value you're getting back, you're also freeing up a roster spot. A lot of times, Ray, when I'm going to sell one of these guys, the first thing I do, especially now, is I look and I go, shit, I'm going to have to cut five players here in about 10 days, right? Yep. So that's a benefit right there. I'm getting rid of a player. It's one less decision I have to make. But I also go, especially best ball. A lot of our leagues are best ball. Dude, there's five receivers in every one I would pick up. Now, so I'm sitting here going, oh, man, if I can trade Puka to Ray for a third, I can go pick up Andreas Sovis off waivers. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at that going, for best ball, I'm getting the same dude, right? Probably I'm getting the same thing. So you you have an angle. Just have a plan with what you want to do with it. You know, It goes back to the idea, why would I trade for a third? It's not just a third. It's the flexibility. It's a free roster spot. It's one less decision that I have to make down the road. This is the time to take advantage of it. Once the season starts, here's two things that have happened from my experience in Dynasty. Two things occur. One, the activity actually slows down a little bit because mm-hmm. a lot more people are going, you know what, I'm just going to kind of see how my team does. Nothing more frustrating than a team going, I'm just going to see how it plays out the first eight weeks. Duh. Here, you're trying to flip players. So, in, in a lot of times, week to week, the players I want to hold on to in a best ball league are probably the ones someone else wants to buy. So, I actually think the market will slow down a little bit unless there's players on waivers that someone can go pick up. Then they maybe trade away a player. Otherwise, this is the time to make some of these small moves to build the bankroll. That's why we did this show tonight, because once the season starts, the rat race, and you and I are guilty of it. Dude, during the season, I got a lot of shit to do just to manage the teams. So being able to sit here and talk theory and strategy and grind all these trades constantly, the season can get away from you trying to track you know, set me. I still play in a lot of lineup leagues, so it's setting lineups constantly, but just the grind of the season makes it hard to really be proactive on a lot of this stuff. So take advantage of these next two weeks.
0: And here here goes here goes the other hidden intrinsic value in deploying and following this process and strategy. Let's just say you are it's a lineup league, it's shallow, but your league, they're football fans, they're fanatics, they're nuts. You're tapped in, you're watching the preseason and you have an A.T. Perry on your roster, and you look at waivers, and you see an Ilusovas, you see some of these other hype, fringy players. If you move one for a third, you you trade that Ilusovas for a third, you trade that Puka Nakua for a player in a third, or maybe it's a third and a fourth, whatever it is, you look at your waivers, you see a couple of other of those bums out there, you pick them up. Flip those guys as well. That's cheap. It's just found money. It's like you found a $20 bill in your pocket. And those thirds don't matter from the sake of who you're going to select at the 307 spot in 2024 but if you have a team that's a contender or better yet you're in an active league where you've got teams that are out of it but they still are picking up Brock Purdy off of waivers they're going out and they're grabbing Ty Chandler off waivers and you need to buy a running back at the end of the season you've got just you've got found cash in your pocket to say look dude your team is filled up with nothing but 2022 and 2023 guys, and you're holding on to Jeff Wilson. Here's a third, right? Take this third, give me Jeff Wilson so I can go try to win it. Like, it's just capital that you can spend later. Who cares? Like, I, and I'm not even thinking about the draft. Those things will sell themselves come to the draft time. I promise you that. As shitty as you think the third is now, come 2024. You will be able to sell that three eleven. I promise you. They will. They will. They will. It is the only thing in dynasty that you know one thousand percent will increase in value. I don't care how bad I say the class is; those draft picks will increase increase in value as time goes on. So, another reason why we're talking about managing your budget, controlling that bank, building a bankroll right now, and using the preseason to capitalize on the hype of these players who probably in in all likelihood, Scott, you know who I was watching tonight and said, man, look at where this player is now and how hyped up the dynasty community was over this player two years ago. He was playing two night returning punts for the Saints went to your school was it was it was a darling from from Kentucky Lynn Bowden Jr, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at him, and I'm just like another one of those guys where and it just is another stark reminder and I was reminded of this, uh, Scott, watching the Texans game. And this has nothing to do with Tank Dell because I think he's an incredible player. But the reality is, man, I believe that week one, the three starting receivers are gonna be Nico Collins, <laughs> Noah Brown, and Robert Woods. You go to you go to New England, it ain't gonna be Boutte. it's not gonna be Douglas, it's gonna be Devontae Parker, it's gonna be, it's gonna be those guys. Scott dropped off. It's gonna be Devontae Parker. Kendrick Bourne and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Juju Smith Schuster. Those are going to be the starting receivers for New England. So, as we talk through all of this, and he's coming back right now, as we talk through all of this, this is kind of why. Like, this is why. Because when the season starts and we get going, at least at the beginning, it's going to be veteran treatment, dude. It always is. It's very rare. But Victor Cruz comes out, smashes in preseason, then the regular season starts, and then he's smashing in the regular season. So that's sort of the whole theory behind this show of building a bankroll because when when we kick off week one, and Scott, what's going to happen week one when Ilasovis and Puka Nakua and Butte aren't playing? What is everybody going to do? What's everybody going to do with those guys? What's going to happen, Scott? They're going to get about them. They're going to forget about them. They're going to get dropped. They're going to get cut. They're going to get freed up. And you're going to be sitting back like, damn, I wish I would have had that third now. You know, I can go get I can go get Ilisovis off of waivers for free. You know what I'm saying? So in closing, Scott, wrap up with um, wrap up with your big takeaways. And and again, everything that we talk about, we dive deeper on inside of our communities, whether that's uh, Devi at Patreon.com forward slash all gas or Dynasty and Chill with Scott Connor and his group, like, this is what we do. This is what we talk about. These type of strategies and processes. And we practice what we preach uh, day in and day out in this space. So, Scott, wrap up and I'll close us out.
1: Yeah, the uh, the internet went out on the uh, Lynn Bowden mention. A little depressing for me, but
0: <laughs> I, I no, you, I, I think I thought a thought lot of what we me. talked I about tonight. you left me holding the bag with Bowden. I thought you just, since I brought him up, you were like, Ray, that's all you, man. I'm not even going down there.
1: No, I heard Lynn Bowden and then boom, internet just goes out <laughs> like that. I had to reconnect. But no, I, I think the biggest takeaway, I mean, listen, anyone that's consumed my content kind of knows where I'm coming at from a lot of this process, portfolio, player agnostic. We're all here to have fun. We're all here for different reasons. So I think the biggest takeaway is if you listen to this, I saw some comments in the chat that we didn't get to of going like, I don't know if I'll sell that player. Why would you sell a player for a third? Like we addressed that. You need to know your league. You need to have a pulse on your league economy. And that's the thing. Like a lot of the players I play against are from Heisman, are from Dynasty and Shill are thinking the same way you and I are. The one benefit of playing in leagues with somebody like Ray or people from that community, they're kind of embracing this same strategy to where there's probably a good chance at some point during the year, Ray will trade me a spot starter for a third because he's got a team that goes, hey, I can use an extra third. And there's, it's an open market that gives me the ability to move those assets. If you're building a bankroll just so you can sit on that bank of seconds and thirds and fourths and you go, I have 26 picks in next year's draft in a 25-man roster league, you're screwed. So don't build a bankroll if you think that's your league market. So just have a plan. If you're building bankrolls, splitting assets, you need to do it in spots where you know the market will give you the ability to cash that in. If you're going to be stuck making these picks, you already know that 10% of them are going to be worth having next year in the third round if you have to pick 12 players. So don't plan for that. So that's how you get around the theory of, oh, man, thirds don't hit at that high of a rate, seconds aren't much better. you got to build a bankroll with a purpose. So that's the last point.
0: I'm going to say this as we close. Um, Something that Scott and I have talked about privately quite a bit and something that I I want everybody here, everyone that listens after this show is over um, understand we this show is designed for people who want to think critically who really enjoy the game of dynasty the strategy, the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts. Um, and we're going to continue to do that on the show. We're going to try to have high level conversations but make them very um, understandable, easy to digest for everybody out there and more importantly like we practice this so I can assure you Scott is not talking about, doing these things and not implementing them on their own. I think that we think collectively there is so much room for the dynasty space to grow. And to be quite honest, I think this, everything that's happening this year with, with rookies, with running backs, with receivers, with advanced data, like we are just scratching the surface of what this space can be. And we are committed to trying to make it a better place. So we're going to have some very, um, some very different conversations on here. It's not going to be top 10 rookie tight ends for 2024. We're not going to do that. It's going to be very focused, very hyper-focused. And uh, we just appreciate everybody that's here, everybody that's rocking with us. Hit the thumbs up button. If you're freaking here, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe and like. You can find Scott. You know where his content is. You know where my content is. Y'all have a fantastic Sunday night. And we'll see y'all next Sunday. We out. Peace.